Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? It is Jalen Bledsoe, and I have a friend with me, again, Dr. Miller. What's up, Dr. Miller? Hey, Lynn, how are you? I am doing good. This is our second episode of And I'm Not Crazy. I'm excited. Yes, and people are feeling the name, Jalen. Let me just say that. People are really feeling the name. I mean, because I think everybody wants to say they're not crazy, so I hope they get a lot of You know, I might have a little bit of crazy. But it's, it's been a really interesting, you know, year we're uh now in august officially um i feel like i always say when i became an adult life flew by fast because you think of life as a bill cycle so it's like didn't i just pay that yesterday but it's like no you paid it a whole month ago and i promise you right now in covid um it just feels like time is flying by i've spent a lot of time in my house and i feel like this is kind of just the theme of all of our this entire season is like covid is the foundation of importance of that of digging into mental health i mean it is you know um one things that we can note is that because people are being quarantined and there's so many changes that are happening is that some people are not able to tell like um the days apart i know there are some days i can right i'm like is today still wednesday or what is today and so it's happening a lot for people, but I will tell you this, and this is one thing that we have to identify and understanding. People have been taking out of their norm. And we know what happens when people are taken out of their norm, discomfort. And what happens oftentimes is people don't know how to move through that discomfort. And for a lot of people, um, maybe they did know how to navigate through their discomfort, but the resources and the outlets that they once utilized to do that, like um, getaways with friends or going out to restaurants or going to the movies, or you know, all of these things we did pre-COVID. <laughs> um, people just aren't able to do those things anymore. So what we're seeing, Jalen, and this is something that I'm talking so much about more, is that we're seeing a lot of mental behaviors that may have been suppressed, right? But now that we don't have those outlets and those resources, those things now have more of a tendency to come to the surface because, you know, let's just say that COVID has kind of irritated that a little bit. You know, and it's it's crazy. I think to your point, I I was a a, a big advocate, a big um, visitor, a big consumer of a massage. And the fact that I can't get a massage right now, I feel like it's just adding on to my stress of like, okay, like how else do I go relieve the pressure that's on me and my body um, in the season? Last month in July, I took a mental health week. I took off an entire week. Um, most of the week was canceling as many meetings as I could. But one or two days, I canceled all of my meetings. I just took time to like relax and read and write and to you know watch TV. 
And that was amazing. Uh, having that opportunity to just sit and relax and enjoy silence without like the pressure of, you know, meetings or conversations, because I do feel like I've talked about this before, a lot of the weekend or the evening separation doesn't exist in COVID. And so you're working consistently and you don't have that break between I'm on and I'm off. It's like, you're always on, especially for those who, you know, get emails. It's like, I'm going to get my emails at two o'clock in the morning. It's like, no, stop that. Like put your phone down and go to bed. It's, it's, it's kind of stressful. So let me ask you this, Jalen, because I think you just brought up a very valid point where we see oftentimes, you know, people need to take that mental health day or they need to take that mental health week or they just need to take a vacation period. But it's almost as if they don't know like what those warning signs may be. So let me ask you, how did you know? How did you know? Okay, Jalen, you need to step back a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, for me, it was first observing. I, I was always on. I, 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 I would feel stressed putting my phone down in the idea that I might miss an email. And so it was this, it was a, a additional level of feeling attached to my devices so that I could respond promptly or be in contact quickly when that wasn't always who I was. Like if I was disconnected, I was disconnected. And so I, I saw that first kind of the anxiety of, oh, my phone's on D&D. What if I get an email? Um, and then secondly, I think it was just the, um, you, you slow down a little bit in your meetings. Your meetings become a little bit like, uh, can you repeat that again? I, t- I totally missed what you were saying. Can you, can you say that one more time? And I caught myself having to like be alert more. Okay, crap, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm asleep or I'm, I'm not engaged at all in these conversations. So you found yourself having to be more in- intentional um, to be intentionally there, right? Yeah. And so, but here's the thing, and this is something that we are having to um, really look at and really take inventory of. And that is with all of the various stressors that people are dealing with right now, okay? So we're not just talking about COVID. We're talking about, as you stated, even before COVID, people had stressful jobs. People didn't know how to turn off their work. They didn't know how to set healthy boundaries between being a parent, um, being an individual, being an employee or an entrepreneur or whatever the case may be. And so all of this was pre-COVID. And then now here we are in COVID and we have that, we have racial tensions that are going on. Um, We're on political season, Uh, you know, so many things that are happening now. And then on top of all of that, we also have people who are just still just trying to find themselves. I mean, here we are in 2020 and there are many people who started off with all these great goals that they were hoping for. And Mm -hmm. 2020 said, no, this, no, this is not going the way you thought it was going to go. And so people are really having to navigate through that. So I say that to say that people are having to deal with so much. And then another thing, grief. I just said to someone this morning, people are not grieving the way traditionally we were able to grieve. Once upon a time, if you lost a loved one, um, you were able to actually have the gatherings, the show of support, all of these various things. 
it's not happening. So you have people who are having to um, grieve separately from their loved ones. You have people who are not able to have traditional services that they would have liked to have had for their loved ones. And so I say that to say all of these things are happening. So the question has to come to the surface. How are people dealing with it? You know, so two things came out in, in, in that statement that you were, you were just saying. The latter is how do we grieve? You know, how do you grieve over Zoom? How do you how do you find that closure over Zoom? But then secondly, and it was your first point, and I think you, you glazed over it, so I want to go back to it, and this might be our next episode. What does it mean to, to know who we are? Because some of that is, is rooted in our identity of what we do in work, of what we do amongst our friends outside, but when you're sitting in silence, when you're sitting alone for you know six months, what does it mean to know who you are and be confident in that? So I think... Feel free to answer, but I think that might be an episode in itself. Well, and let me tell you why I felt the need to bring that to the surface, because we have to understand that even prior to all of the various things that we're experiencing within society, people were already going through their own struggles. Mm -hmm. People were already going through and on the their own journeys, wherever it may have been. And so... You know, as I work with individuals, one of the things that I say is that anytime you're on a journey, whether it's a journey on self-discovery, whether you're on a journey, um, a relationship journey, whatever the case may be, so many things come with that. And so many people, when they're on their journey, they have to face things. I had a couple um, last week, and they've realized that since they've been quarantined together, they've been there for 30 years, and she said, Doc why did we get married again? I said, are you asking me or are you referencing the movie? (laughs) And she said, no, I'm serious. And so these are things that people are already struggling with. And now these things are coming to surface. And one of the things we know is that one of the biggest reasons that people are really defensive when it comes to alone time is that when you're alone, you've got to deal with some stuff. You've got to deal with self. You've got to deal with that partner um, that maybe all of the trips and everything kind of kept you guys going and you never really were able to recognize that we really don't have a lot in common and we really have just kind of just been hanging out. And so there's so many things that come to surface um, on journeys. So I think it's important to highlight that even before all of these things, people were already struggling with things. It almost becomes a question, what are you without all the added things? Like, mm. you know, what are you at, at the bare minimum? And so you look at your relationship, are you as an individual, once you remove the trips and the vacations, once you remove the shopping sprees, once you remove the outings with friends, all that added fluff that almost disconnects you from the reality, what are you at the core? That right there is, I think, that's a book. Um, so thanks for digging into I'm that. I think that you. might be a topic. And Jalen, for a lot of people, talk about Mm -hmm. depression. Mm -hmm. Uh, For so many people, that is where their deep hole of depression like really, really lies. Mm -hmm. Because when you start peeling back all of these things that people use to camouflage themselves, that people use to suppress all of this, when you start taking away all of this. And I, you know, I shared the other day and the lady, she said, Doc, that was deep, but I didn't mean it to be deep, but she said it was deep. And what I said is that when 2020 began, 
people were focused on the vision. You know, this is the vision mm -hmm. that I'm mm -hmm. going to see everything clear. From going. Well, I think mm -hmm. a lot of things. I think a lot of things are coming into sight, right? I think a lot of things are being made clear, but it's just not the way that people intended. Like people are realizing that there are some mental health issues within my family. Um, people are realizing that they've got some relationship issues that really need to be looked at. Um, people are realizing that they've been on jobs that really don't have flexibility and you know, really don't really provide for them what they envision for themselves. And so there are some visions, but I just don't think it's what people thought they were going to see. Yeah, it's, it's almost like 2020 was the year of corrective vision. We thought we were going to go into this with what we wanted it to be and what we thought we could see, but in reality, it was a correction. So it was like putting on a pair of glasses and saying, hey, no, you thought you were seeing a lot of beautiful things, but your, your vision was off. And so now that we've corrected it, I want you to see the reality of where you're at and the reality of what you have and the reality of what you're doing and who's around you. Absolutely. Um, and you know, here's the thing. I always tell people that we're as sick as our family secrets, right? And so when we learn to deal with all of those things that we've tried to cover up and we like to camouflage and those things that we don't want to sit with ourselves and, you know, have those thoughts about, when we start to face and deal with those things, that is where so much of our healing and our realization, that's where it begins. And the, and the reality of it is, it's better to address it and handle it head on by tackling it because either way it will be handled either in the positive or the negative so if you don't look at it and say how do i fix this and become aware of the issue here you don't do that you're going to get hit in the back of your head and like oh crap everything fell down behind me because i wasn't being alert or being you know, being attentive to it all absolutely i mean it it comes out one way or another you know and sometimes i think it comes out with people like for example you know you disclose that here you are going on about the life that you've been doing and you just realize that, hey, like I'm here, but I'm not really here. Um, I'm feeling kind of anxious about some things. So you realize that something was off in your being. And so what that kind of can relate back to is how does Jalen actually work with his boundaries? You know, um, how do you exercise boundaries in your own life? Because, you know, a lot of times we see the symptoms, but we don't actually go back and address what the actual um, illness may be in it. That's so good. Well, you know, and I think sometimes um, I always look at it like the best way to catch breast cancer early is they say is to touch yourself and, you know, and to feel and, and to, you know, know who you are, know what's out of place. I think that's the same when it comes to mental health. It's like you have to be aware of who you are and look for things that are out of the ordinary or things that, you know, are causing more stress than normal. Or am I being more combative right now? Am I being, am I more frustrated? Am I more exhausted? Those are red flags that we may sometimes overlook because, you know, we're not fully looking or even we're not processing, like we, we're calling them out, but we're not saying, hey, wait, that's a problem that needs to be looked at or addressed right now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, you know, but sometimes we've done things for like so many years and some mm-hmm. things we were taught to do. You know, I was that child that I was taught that you need to make sure that you've got straight A's because you don't mm-hmm. want people to get ahead of you because you want to make sure that you're... And that puts a competitive edge into a child, yeah. right? Now, as a child, guess what that grows into? That grows into anxiety because yeah. you're always anxious about that report card coming out because you have this subconscious idea of, oh my gosh, I've yeah. got to be the best. I've got to be the best. And so, you know, some of those things really become learned behaviors or they become mm-hmm. things that we've done for so long. We don't even realize that that's not good. When I I was younger um, and and when I would have like, you know, uh, moments of high stress or anxiety, my grandfather would always say, Jalen, take your fist and like, just hold it tight. And he would say, hold it. And he would say, he would keep talking about random things. And he would just say, keep keep talking and keep talking and think about this, think about that. And after a minute, he would say, okay, Jalen, do you realize you're still holding your hand tight? And I'm like, no, I forgot. He would say, okay, release it. And like that release of pressure is like, oh, I forgot I was doing it, but the bind or the pressure that was there actually was hurting. And now that I've released it, I'm like, oh, wow, it's not there anymore. So I think I love that, that point you just made because it reminded me of childhood. But, you know, here's the thing. Um, one of the things that I teach individuals to do even mm-hmm. now, and it's something that's widely practiced. And I mm-hmm. think that even for me, and I, you know, I'm always very open to say that I didn't realize that I actually struggled with anxiety until something traumatic happened. I lost my grandmother. And then it was almost as if I was holding my breath and I didn't even realize I was holding my breath, right? And so for a lot of people, um, they get to a point, and that's what I mean when I say, sometimes you can be on edge and you don't even realize you're on edge because you've been holding your breath for so long. And so one of the things that I practice with patients now is this idea of grounding, right? Mm-hmm. And when we talk about grounding, um, we're talking about making sure that you are mindful of knowing that you're still connected. I mean, it is what it is. When you talk about grounding, you're grounded into your solid foundation. Because sometimes when we start to have anxiety coming in, we start to have these racing thoughts. Yeah. Um, sometimes we feel like we can't breathe. Sometimes we feel like that everything is kind of closing in. And so grounding actually helps you to center yourself. And what I always tell people to do is use your five senses. And mm-hmm. so you're closing your eyes. And as you're closing your eyes, you're thinking about what do I hear? What do I smell? Mm-hmm. What can I feel, right? Um, What can I taste? You want to make sure you're going through and you're doing 
in all of this because that is grounding you into the present. Because a lot of times when you think about anxiety, we're anxious about what's to come. We're anxious about um, what may happen. So it's important to ground yourself into the mindfulness. It's important to ground yourself into this moment. I'm stable. I'm connected to the earth. And here's the thing. Oftentimes I tell people it's summertime. If you can go outside and, you know, and I'm a country girl, so I believe it's okay to be barefoot, right? But if you yep. can go outside and connect yourself and, and breathe the fresh air and hear the birds and take an um, idea of the scenery, if you're in the city, you can do it there also, right? You yep. can hear the sounds of the city because that lets you know that, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm here in this moment. And believe it or not, what that does it slows your mind down from what those racing thoughts are because you become present and centered. So I was, you know, scrolling down Twitter and, you know, I saw a link to watch Michelle Obama's, you know, podcast on Spotify, which is, first of all, I, I listened to the first one with President Barack Obama. I am not listen to the second one yet, but I will do it. But I saw an, uh, a note or kind of a, a point of reference out of this most recent episode and it was speaking to Michelle Obama pretty much saying like she is she is realizing that she is battling but coping through a low grade of depression in response to not just COVID, but in response to the racial tensions and more specifically how this administration and President Trump is responding to, you know, um, what's happening in this world. And so I want to talk to you, talk to you a little bit about exactly what is low-grade depression because i think like low-grade i'm like oh low-grade temperature you know it's like not a temperature but it's like it's just there so can you share with us kind of you know layman's terms what that is yeah so when we talk about that clinically um we more so connected to mal depression right um meaning that i'm just kind of feeling i can tell that I'm mm -hmm. just not my upbeat self. And usually when people begin to experience mal-depression, it's usually based in a single episode. And, you know, in listening um, to um, Michelle Obama's piece, that's one of the things that we could kind of see where she was talking mm -hmm. about all of the current things that are going on right now in this moment, right? And so that mal-depression usually is linked toward a single episode where maybe someone may be having some type of crisis that's present at this moment. And it doesn't have them to a point to where they're not able to function. Um, it doesn't have them to a point to where it's interfering in any of their day-to-day -day abilities, but they can tell that they're not at their 100% self. And here's the thing, Jalen, um, I applaud Michelle Obama for stating that because 100%. it's something that we all have touched. We all have touched maldepression at some point in our life, um, our adult life, that is. And even, you know, here's the thing, even sometimes with children, people don't realize that children go through depression as well. It just looks different. And so I applaud her for saying that because I think what that gives voice to is that we all are experiencing something with everything that we are facing. There's so many things now that people are trying to figure out. And, you know, I was on my timeline and there were so many parents 
who were talking about the anxiety that they were feeling because they decided to do virtual learning with their children. And so that anxiety is just really, really building up for them because they just kind of feel like they don't have any guidance. Um, they feel like their school district is changing every other day. And Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot so going on. Really, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and I said, you know what, and you're not crazy because mm -hmm. that is valid. That is happening. And so that anxiety for a lot of parents is really, really building just in that. And yeah. so, yes, I'm not surprised. I would not be surprised if we don't have a lot more parents, um, especially women, and to mm -hmm. come forth to say, you know, I think that I'm experiencing some low depression. I think that um, I'm just noticing that I'm just kind of feeling just kind of, eh, you know, it's just, it's just not the is, greatest right now. Is, is there like one, two, three things I can be looking out for, I can be asking myself, I can be writing out to identify if I am seeing a level of low-grade depression. But also, so, that, so that's question one. But question two, Michelle Obama mentioned she's coping through, you know, having loved ones, family and friends around her in the season. And so, A, you know, how can we identify it in ourselves? And then B, what are some easy, you know, coping mechanisms or healing mechanisms for low-grade depression? Yeah, so one of the things, um, you know, you and I, when we talked previously, one of the things that I was really big about, and I am very big about, is that you are the expert on yourself. And that's something mm -hmm. that I am very adamant about. And in that, people know when something's not right. Um, people Definitely. know <laughs> when they just don't feel at 100, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's your first clue. That is your first clue when you know that I just don't feel like myself. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I always tell people when people say that, there's meaning to that because you know what's different from your normal versus to how you may be feeling right now. And so, so that good. is sign number one. Number two, um, another thing that some people talk about, remember, I said that when you're talking about maldepression, you may not sleep, see disruptions in the life pattern. You may not see this person laying in bed all day, but you could see this person waking up three to four to five times in the middle of the night, right? Mm. Sometimes we call that sleep disturbances. So wow. You're sleeping, but you've just noticed that your sleep is kind of interrupted. You're just not sleeping the way you normally sleep. And so those could be a, that, those could be symptoms that could also be associated with it as well. And so things of that nature are more so what you can look out for. But first thing I always talk about is go with the feeling. You know when you don't feel like yourself. Yeah. That's it. So here's the thing. So what can we do? Yes, um, having that, and I talked earlier about a lot of people um, who've been battling depression, even pre all of this, they were using friends and family and having all those gatherings and going out and having all these functions, but that's not accessible as it was anymore. And so now the question becomes, what do we do? Jalen, we do what you and I are doing. Virtual has become our friend. And yes, so, it has. 
<laughs> you know, it really has. And so this really is a time that's teaching people how to step out of what we've always done. Um, I will share, um, my fiance did something or said something to his staff that I thought was incredible. And he said, we have an opportunity to take what we have now and make yeah. it incredible, right? And so that is such an optimistic piece to say that this is where we are, but we have an ability to take and move from this. And so you can still connect with family and friends. Um, I know many people who've told me that since all this, they've started virtual book clubs. I think mm. that's incredible, right? Yeah. Um, someone told me that since all of this has happened, they're having virtual Sunday dinners. I guess they said I don't have the season. I'm I'm gonna have the season in my way. Good. I love that. And I think it's important to look at, you know, I think to your to your husband's your fiance's point is, how do we not allow this situation to limit us, but we look for ways to take advantage of where we're at. And so if we have the benefit of technology and FaceTime and Zoom calls or whatever, how do I utilize that to my advantage? Or how do I create some process of normalcy? How do I create some routine? in the midst of this disruption. And that could look like that virtual Sunday dinner or that virtual book club, or, hey, you might go ride down the highway with a friend and like, hey, you drive behind me, we're gonna just drive up the cannon or something. There are things that we can do that, yes, are not normal to what they would have been eight months ago, but they can become a routine in the middle of this barren place that we're in right now as a, as a society. Because here's the thing, what people have to remember is that you're feeding the need, okay? Mm -hmm. So if the need is I need support, you know, I need to feel the support of my family and my friends, that's the need, that's what you're feeding. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's just kind of like when I was growing up and my dad would always say, well, it may not be what you want to eat, but when you're full, mm -hmm. you're full. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so you're feeding the need. So no, it may not be the interaction that you're accustomed to, but when you're talking about trying to stay engaged with your family and your friends so that you can feel connected, we've got to think outside of our norm. That's honestly is so genius because as I think about, you said it's not what we're used to or what we, you know, what we've done before what we're used to has come out of repetitive behavior, out of that habit that was established, in that what we considered normal because it's all we knew. And so moving to this new season, the reality is what we know is you're stuck in your house. Well, you're in your house. You can look at it as I'm in my house, I'm stuck in my house, but I'm in my house, and here's the resources I have at my disposal, and I can now create new habits and routines that do become a norm, that you know create that level of consistency that we've been looking for or we've might have missed it changes perspective it, it completely mm -hmm. changes your perspective of you know and i love how you change that from not stuck in my house i'm in my house because that perspective mm -hmm. change is everything and so when you're able to say okay this is the situation now now mm -hmm. what do i do to grow from this and make it the best that I can possibly do it. That is a total optimistic view versus saying that here I am, um, I don't have this, I don't have that, I can't do this. Well, what can you do? What, you know, what are within the realms of what's possible? And so that's where we're going to have to meet it. We always talk about meeting people where we are. 
well, this is the season where we're going to have to meet ourselves <laughs> where we are. That's great. It, it, it really is. It's taking control of what we can control. You know, we feel like we might have lost yeah. a lot of control in this season, but how do we take control of it? I love that. So we talked about, you know, before um, you said you had some ideas or an exercise you wanted to walk us through. Um, so the floor is yours, Dr. Miller. In, in a, a real world, yes. I would say, so hey, Jaylen. that actual floor, you have it. <laughs> With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So let me tell you. So I'm going to help you. So the next time you're starting to feel, where did you go for your, where did you go for your getaway? Love it. That's perfect. Okay. So here's the thing, Jalen. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Viewers are going to love this. So you felt that you needed to disconnect. You needed to get away. Well, here's the thing. I often practice guided imagery with individuals. And what guided imagery does is it's a relaxation technique that helps us to get away. But we don't do it physically. We do it here, right? So we're able to disconnect with our mind. And so what I often tell people, so tell me about Hawaii, Jalen. What was Hawaii like when you were there? Well, it was closed, um, but in my private cabana, it was beautiful. Got a massage. The temperature was amazing. The water was so blue. <sighs> yeah, it was just a full disconnect from city life, we'll say that. So I know you may not know, but when you were sharing that with us, you were smiling. Mm -hmm. So I know that when you were there, you got good vibes from that, right? Mm -hmm. So what oh. I do is I invite people to go to their happy place, okay? Go somewhere where you felt um, disconnected from the chaos. Go somewhere where you felt comfortable, you felt safe, you felt um, alive, you felt all of those things, right? And so when we're doing this exercise, people will have their eyes closed and they'll go to that place in their mind. And I'll have them to tell me, but when you're doing this in your office, of course you don't have to say it out loud, but you can imagine, what do I hear? Um, what do I see? What can I taste? You know, when you're talking about Hawaii, you're talking about what did I eat? Um, what were some of the great drinks that I had? And so you're going through, once again, remember I talked about grounding earlier. It's so important any time that we're trying to allow our mind to escape that we pull in on our senses. Our senses are so important when we're talking about helping our mind to learn to relax. And so in guided imagery, when you go to your, and I like to call it safe place, right? Yeah. It's the place that even if you're at the boardroom or you're at work or you're wherever you are, no one has to know that you're there, but you're there. And when you're there, it kind of helps you to have that mental disconnect. And believe it or not, people have found that when they're able to do that, it helps to lower their anxiety. It helps them to feel more in control. 
And for a lot of people, they've told me, Doc, that's the only thing that got me through the day. Like this happened at like one o'clock in the afternoon. I just felt like I was going to have a breakdown and I went to my safe place. And here's the thing. Some people have told me that their safe place was when they were five years old and they were at their grandmother's and they can remember wow. all those fun times, what that felt like for them. And, you know, they didn't have any of the adult worries that they have now, right? They just remember being fed and having fun. Go there. But this is a place that you can go and you don't have to leave out of your house. You don't have to leave your desk, but you can take your mind there. And one thing that I'm encouraging for people to do it now is that it really helps people to stay in that optimistic view also that where we are now does not mean this is where we're going to be um, this time next year. I always laugh. Um, so I have an Apple Watch and uh, I'm sure you've seen it. When you have an Apple Watch on and when it, it's measuring your heart rate consistently and whenever it kind of measures an uptick, it'll say, it'll ping you, it'll say breathe and it'll, it'll walk you through uh, a minute of inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. But I think you, you add in that factor, you add in the visualiz visualization of hearing or smelling or feeling with your eyes closed. I feel like that disconnect of removing your focus from reality just really is a big thing. I um, recently began using a noise machine at night and I've never had issues with sleeping. Like I'm a really good sleeper. I sleep through the night, but try using a noise machine and that right there is next level. It's just like a, a, a consistent like shh noise. And I'm sleeping until night, like nine o'clock right now. It's honestly, I feel bad sleeping this late, but I'm like, I'm getting a full night's rest because I think what it's doing, it's fully disconnecting me from all of reality. And I'm focusing on finding patterns in that, that I'm like just focused on sleep versus focused on what may be running through my mind. I, I don't think I've actually dreamt at all in all, in all of this season of, of, of uh, of noise machines in the last week or so. If someone with it wants to try it and they don't want to go out and invest in a noise machine, your ceiling fan works just as well. Um, mm -hmm. As Shailen stated, you're just looking for the pattern. So sometimes if you can just listen to your ceiling fan, just yep. kind of going, 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 believe it or not, it will drift you away. It, so, okay, so it was funny. I was, I had my, um, so I, I have like a, a stone on the speaker and I just, you know, I just searched for white noise and played over, over the speaker. And I'm, um, this happened like three nights in a row. I'm, I'm sitting there laying down and I'm like, what is that? I'm like, I hear music playing. And I stopped the speaker and I'm like, okay, no. So I turned it back on. I'm like, I, I hear like a consistent like piano noise playing. And so of course I went to Google it and they're like, yeah, your brain is, is trying to find patterns. So it's literally making sounds within the white noise. And I, I thought I heard Beethoven playing in my ear for legit the entire night. I'm like, oh, that's, 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 that's dope. That's science right there. I want to do an experiment. <laughs> yeah, that right there is a whole new level. <laughs> I was like, and I, and I Google it, like it's, Google said it, you know, it's a thing. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm hearing like piano notes and I'm hearing like beats and I'm like, oh, I'm actually finding patterns in the same exact track I've used for two weeks. It's just in there. But yeah, so sleep machines, Sonos, ceiling fans, whatever you want to do, check it out. It might change your sleeping life forever. So we're back at a season. Uh, we thought we were just, I thought we were just here a month ago, but it's been like three, four months when we were seeing parents become teachers and they were 
leaving their, their, their offices at work to come home and their, and their kids were coming home you know, out of school and the parent was struggling with or having to deal with being a full-time employee, working remote, adapting to that environment, as well as helping their, student, their kids migrate into this virtual environment. And so we're back there. We talked a little bit earlier about it. We're back there in the next week or so. Some, I mean, Georgia's already started some of their schools you know, at this point. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be stressful. That's going to be like, you know, I think parents are figuring out how to like getting back into that state. I know looking at my mom, looking at my dad, they're already beginning to process like the pre-stress of it all. Like, hey, I'm not stressed now, but I see myself easily being stressed out when all this starts. And so I'm, I'm wondering, Absolutely. Dr. Miller, is there a, um, well, first off, you, you have any thoughts on that, but I think B, are there any things, you know, we can do as, as a, uh, not we, because I'm not a parent, ain't nobody's daddy, but that parents can do to begin to prepare uh, for this season? Um, yeah, so you're absolutely right. Um, I think that because a lot of parents are not in it, a lot of times we may feel anxiety, but anxiety and stress tend to be two different things because your stress tends to build more so from your overwhelmness. And so once parents are in it, they may begin to feel more levels of stress. Um, but I think that in preparation, the preparing stages has to be, what is it going to look like? You know, that's mm -hmm. what I always say um, to parents and even to the kids, if they're old enough to understand, but having an understanding of what it's going to look like. We have to remember having a plan makes us feel in control, even when we're not. So if you have an idea of this is what we're going to do, I have some parents who've already stated that <laughs> we are going to break up the coursework. And so we're going to work from this time to this time. And then, you know, the child is going to go outside and run some laps and do some physical activity for this time. But they're planning. They already have an idea of this is what the home schedule is going to look like. And even for parents who are sending their kids to school, there still is an idea of what is that going to look like? Because that looks different also when you're talking about schools who are requiring masks, when you're talking about schools who are requiring temperature checks, when you're talking about schools who are changing the norms of what their students may be accustomed to, that's also a discussion of talking about and having an understanding of what that's going to look like. So the very first thing that parents can do in preparation is have these discussions. Because when you have discussions and you go ahead and identify um, what are the hiccups that we may encounter, it really helps you to deal with the situation a little better versus getting in it midway and kind of having this idea of, oh my goodness, what do we do? I, yeah, I, I, I talked to my mom, talked to my dad. I'm like looking at them I'm like, you know, start creating that routine, start creating a structure that'll help you kind of get into it, you know, easily. But yeah, I, I'm just, I'm not excited. I am curious to see what it actually looks like, you know, because I, I think the, I, I think if parents are stressed, my dad's also a teacher and he's like, I'm stressed with the fact of, you know, being the parent. But also, as I put my kids through this experience, I'm having to, you know, be on a Zoom call or facilitate teaching students who are also in a state of stress. 
So yeah, it's, it's going to be an all-around um, thing. And it's like we got to teach the, the skill set of how to breathe, how to like just everyone take a moment in this class right now. Everyone in this office, take a, uh, in this virtual office on Zoom, so take a moment to breathe. Because I, I think that, you know, we talk so much about the parents and the kids, but you just brought up another great point that we've hit before. Teachers also, um, you know, there's a great concern. I mean, we have teachers who are being put in the position and, you know, they don't have children, so they don't have the role of being a parent, but they do have the role of the fear that they may be experiencing of going back into that environment and what that may mean for their health and, you know, even their emotional level. And so it's so important to even again to think about these things and have an idea of what is this going to look like? What can we expect? I said a couple of weeks ago that I think that the biggest thing that people can do right now, whether you're a parent, whether you're a teacher, is to make the decision that is best for you. Um, sure. Because, you know, there are some parents who've made the decision that they're not going to send their child back into the classroom. They're going to do homeschool or they're going to do virtual. Some parents have said, I don't have a choice. I don't feel that I can do it. I don't feel that I can take on that role or I'm a single parent and I have to work. And to those parents, I've said, and I will say before, again, excuse me, that there's no need to take on any sense of guilt um, because, you know, some parents are being made to feel as if, you know, you're making a horrible decision. They but might be wrong. Yeah. Have to do, yeah, people have to do what makes them feel most comfortable. Um, you know, there's some teachers who've made a decision they're not going back into the classroom. They would prefer to teach yep. virtually because that makes them feel more comfortable. So that's what we have to understand. You know, we have to understand and respect the decision that people are making during this time because part of allowing yourself to feel better mentally and emotionally is making the right decision for you. Decisions that you can live with, decisions that are going to keep your anxiety down. And so, you know, that's what we encourage people to do. Make decisions that best benefit um, what you can live with. We've seen this chaos this last month uh, with Megan Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez. A, you know, I'll be honest, it is frustrating as a man or a male to see the amount of jokes or, you know, things to lighten the situation, you know, being made. And as I've said to my team and my family, it is entirely unacceptable to have these jokes. It's unacceptable to try to make light out of the situation because you, you may try to find humor in the fact that it was so extreme that it was a gun, but... The fact is that, that was, it was that extreme that it was a gun. Any, you know, um, emotional or physical domestic abuse, like, to me is, is totally, you know, not acceptable by any means, and it should not be enlightened by anybody. This is not a, a teaching moment or a joking moment. It's like, this is a let's get serious moment. I, you know, myself saw my mom being abused as a kid, um, you know, for years at a time. And so when I saw it, I was like, somebody get this dude, like, I will, I will pay myself to have him, you know, taken care of. That's just kind of how I am when it comes to mental abuse. So I'm curious, you know, f you know, from your you know, side of the table, Dr. Miller, you have conversations with people often, you know, A, are, are people responding in a way, you know, are, are people having, um, is that a, tr has this been a trigger for people potentially and things that they've experienced before? 
Um, or B, you know, what's the, the psycho licensed psychotherapist say about this situation? Um, well, I think that there are so many different layers to it, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, when we talk about, and I will say this, one thing that we often see is that when people use humor to deflect serious situations, there's something to that, right? Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times people use humor because they don't want to accept something for being reality because it may be too close to their home or it may be something that if they dig a little deeper, um, they may realize that they're holding the spade in their hand. And so with that being the case, um, Rhea, write that down. <laughs> I was ah, so, somebody somebody watching felt that one. They, <laughs> <laughs> so with that being the case, I think that um, we have to understand that intimate partner violence, that the rates now are even higher than they have been. And we're even seeing that um, you know, even pre-COVID, but even more so, especially now because of COVID also. I mean, like you said earlier, you, got, you, got, you have couples, you have couples asking, why do we get married? So I can, I can definitely understand and see why, you know, that rate could be increasing off that, that, that fact alone. Absolutely. And, you know, the piece that we fail to recognize so much, and I'm very big about making sure people understand that intimate partner violence goes both ways. Okay, mm -hmm. um, it happens to men just as much as it happens to women. However, it's not reported as much for men as it is for women. And we can understand mm. why that is the case. You know, we start talking about when a man begins to talk about being abused, looks begin to happen because people don't know how to mm. process, well, how does that happen to a man? And so men kind of have a harder time coming forward to talk about being um, a survivor of any type of intimate partner violence. And so we have to be very careful about that. And I think that we have to make sure that we're creating that space where we're having or allowing, excuse me, individuals to be able to come forward because a lot of times when that happens, exactly what you just stated comes to light. People make light of it. People make jokes. Um, people try to find ways to deflect it because it makes them feel uncomfortable. And, you know, so we've got to do a better way um, with how we talk about intimate partner violence. Um, we've got to stop normalizing it and nothing just intimate partner violence, but even, and this is going to step deep, but even when we're talking about sexual predators within our families, we've got to do a much better job with how we accept when survivors of any type of abuse, whether it be sexual abuse, whether it be intimate partner violence, when they come forward, because a lot of times we try to send people back to shame or we try to mm -hmm. send people, you know, into a closet because we make jokes, we minimize it, um, we deny it, all of these things happen. And I think that so much of that comes, as I stated, from our own discomfort. I've said it, and I always say it, we are as sick as our family secrets. And so because of the fact that we don't like for certain things to be out in the public eye, we try to deflect and we try to keep it under the rug. But um, I've just noticed that in so many families, um, that it is so prevalent. And this is really big, really, really big in the Black community, 
where when something comes to light, we minimize it and we find humor in it rather than looking at it for what it is, trying to be educated about it and take an inventory within ourselves and our own families. I feel as if sometimes we, we think as a society that if we can put the issues or the problems or the traumatic situations or the, you know, the, uh, those difficult moments in a closet that they're behind a closed door and we won't ever have to deal with it. If, if, mm -hmm. if I don't see it, if I'm not acknowledging it, if I don't say it's true today, then it won't be an issue in my life. But I always think about it like when I was a kid and I would have toys. If I would be told to clean up the room, I could do two things. I could actually put the toys where they belonged, on the racks or the shelves and the, wherever it's supposed to be, or I could put all of my toys in the closet, stack it up, throw one last one there and close it, and then later my little brother would come or my mom would come and open that door and it all fell out and smack them in the face. And I think that's <laughs> what sometimes, you know, these things are. We think we can hide all of the trauma in our lives behind a closed door until someone else, a future spouse or a future partner or a future friend has to open that door up to check for, I don't know, to find a jacket and they're getting smacked with 25 years of your unresolved, un, you Absolutely. know, uh, trauma. Absolutely. And it's a defense mechanism. You know, one of the biggest mm -hmm. questions that I got from people or what the media, I should say, when COVID first began is, Doc, why do you think people are making light of this? Or why do you think people just aren't listening to the guidelines? Well, what is the first way that people work or react when they don't want to respond to something that makes them feel uncomfortable, um, gives them fear, they deny it. They go into a sense of it's not real. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it's a conspiracy. It's not true. And so we do that also when it comes to um, mental health issues, whether it be our own or within our families, whether it comes to relationship issues, whether it comes to family issues, whatever the case may be, Anything that we find some type of discomfort in facing and dealing with, we find a way to minimize it or make light of it or try to find holes in it. And I think that's what happened with um, Megan's situation where when the story came, because mm. it made so many people uncomfortable, their way of dealing with that was to find humor. And then that takes wow. away the reality that this is a real issue and this is something that we need to look at and address. That, that was profound. I love it. Uh, last week we received a question and it said, could someone experience what could be considered a traumatic event, but it not affect them traumatically? For instance, someone gets raped, but they feel and seem well adjusted. So they think it's not traumatic to them. Great question. So I hear that question a lot. And what I and that question goes back to a lot of people often say, well, this happened to me and I don't have PTSD. That's true. Remember when I talked about that, I talked about that you have to understand that the trauma becomes your reaction, okay, mm -hmm. to whatever occurred, to whatever the traumatic issue was. So with that being the case, I always say or always give these example, two people may fall off the same building. One person may break their leg, the other person may not. 
Okay. Mm. So, but they both had the same situation. And so the same thing applies. You can look at individuals that go into war um, through the military. Some people don't have PTSD. Some people do. So it becomes how you are actually responding to the trauma that you've experienced. And so I do know some individuals who experienced rape and they didn't have any type of traumatic experiences with that. Um, they were able, now let me say this, there is a difference between healing and having PTSD. So a person can go through healing, but yet not have any post-traumatic pieces from the experience, okay? Um, so you may fall off of the building and you may scrape your leg and get skin up, but your legs aren't broken versus the other person may actually experience a breakage. That's so good. Dr. Miller, I, as always, appreciate the knowledge you bring to these conversations. These are things that we all deal with. As we talked about before, mental health is a real thing that we must bring to the forefront, especially in 2020, especially in a lot of minority communities, aka my family, your family. We have to be sure that these are things that we are discussing because they are in our lives, whether or not we want to believe it. Um, at this time. So again, thank you so much, Dr. Miller. Uh, I'll see you very soon on the next episode of And I'm Not Crazy, because guess what? I'm not crazy.